I think y'all said something like that. I don't know. Something like not in a rush? All right. Well, good. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. It's New Testament. Right before Second Peter. First Peter 1. And uh, we're going to read verse 13 through 19. Verses 13 through 19. Everybody have it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Come on, keep going. Because it is written, be holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Verse 18 is my focus scripture says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. So today I wanna to talk on, we're continuing this series, this is the last part of this series on Breaking Bad. Today we're talking about breaking bad traditions, breaking bad traditions. Father, we're thankful again for the word. I pray that, Father, each hearer would be a doer and that, God, you'll manifest the fruit of the word in our lives. We take authority over every hindrance, over every distraction, anything that would get in the way of your people, from, from your people receiving today and being blessed. So bless us indeed, we pray in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Breaking bad traditions. Breaking bad traditions. Now, we've been talking about breaking evil cycles of uh, sickness and disease and, and lack and poverty and spiritual failure. Y'all been with us for this Breaking Bad series? And I gave you three uh, forces that will break evil cycles. The class on Wednesday did a good job. Let's see if y'all can do a good job, too. Evil cycles are broken by, number one, the blood of Jesus. They got it on the screen for you, so that's really cheating. The blood of Jesus, number two, sacrificial seed. The vows will break uh, evil cycles. And then also, number three, the blessing of the Lord. That's a force. Now, I just released that upon all these children today. And so that blessing should keep them out of all evil cycles. It should keep them out of uh, keep them out of evil. Did y'all hear what I said? Remember we started out uh, talking about um, what Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 6, deliver us from evil? That's how we got to start on this whole thing. Because we're trying to make sure we understand as, as children of God that evil is not supposed to be a part of our lives. Amen. In fact, that's one of, the, one of the traditions that we have to break is the traditional teachings that we all are supposed to go through some hard, rough, trouble 
times where evil can touch everybody. But that's just not the truth. I said it's not the truth. In fact, God's word is very clear on this matter. I got one. Amen. I said God's word. Now, have y'all been with me the last few weeks? Then you ought to at least be saying, yeah, pastor, that's true. God's word. Because I've made it very clear to you through a, a multiplicity of scriptures that evil should not be lurking in our lives. That you and I should not be always sick, always broke, always in trouble. No evil shall befall us, Psalm 91 says. In fact, I want to turn over to uh, a scripture that the Lord put me on early this week uh, in my prayer time. Psalm uh, 121. I thought this was just so powerful. In fact, when I saw the scripture, I said, man, let me go back and, and tell a church about this. Psalm 121. Glory to God. We are not supposed to suffer from evil. What I say? Evil has no place in my life. What I just say? I don't tolerate evil. Bad things are not supposed to happen to me. Some of y'all struggling. Bad things are not supposed to happen to me. I'm seeing some of my members struggling. Bad things are not supposed to happen to me. If you ain't going to say it, get up and go home. And just let all the bad stuff happen to you. I'm trying to teach you something here that bad things have no place. But bad things happen to good people. Find out why. Because good people can still break spiritual laws. There are laws that govern the spirit realm just like there are laws that govern the natural realm. If I jump off a building, the law of gravity tells me I'm going to go down. I'm going to hurt myself. So there are spiritual laws that, are, that, are, that exist that if you're not aware of them or if you ignore them, you're going to have a real bad day. Am I right about it? And so uh, I got to make sure I don't have this theology that bad things are supposed to happen to good people. Okay, let's, let's, let me show you what the Lord said. Psalm 121, are you there? Yes. Look at verse 1. Yes. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Pause. From whence comes my help? See, that's a question. Where's my help come from? Here's the answer. My help, my help comes from the Lord, come on, who made heaven and earth. So the, whole, the Lord who made all of heaven and earth is your helper. Now, if he can uphold the world, according to Hebrews 1, by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1 says that, says that God holds the whole world, the whole universe up by the word of his power. But if he keeps all the stars and the moon, the sun, everything in place by his powerful word, you don't think he can keep your life together by his word? Verse 3. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you, he who keeps you, tell your neighbor he's a keeper. I had to write that down. That's how I wrote. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. 
Yes, he is. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all 90s, 80s, and 90s. Oh, yes, he is. Behold, it says, it says he will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. If you got a decent Bible, there'll be a little number by it, and they're over in your margin, it'll say protector. The Lord is my protector. Everybody say it. Say it again. Then it says, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. What does it mean, my shade? That word shade, you look it up in the Hebrew, means defense. So he's my protection and he's my defender. Talk about the Lord here. Not talking about some natural body guard who got to go to sleep. Not talking about a security system that the power goes out and don't work. Not talking about a dog, a dog that, you know, you, somebody throw him a stake, he'll, you know, he'll take the stake over you, praise the Lord. No, the Lord. He says, then verse 6, the sun, what? Shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Now watch verse 7. Tell me if this matches what's in your Bible. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Whoa. I got to check my theology against this verse right here. I got to check what I've been taught or what I've been raised on against this verse right here because it clearly tells me, Deacon Mac, that God will protect me from all evil. That word preserve means to keep. From all evil? Yes, all evil. So if he's my protector, my preserver, my keeper, then there should be no, there shall no evil befall me. Now see, I believe this. I believe it. Yeah, but what about? I don't care what about. What did he say? Yeah, but I know so-and-so. I don't know what happened to so-and-so, but I'm talking about me and the Lord. I believe his word. Many times, the reason people experience these things is because they're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit is your keeper, he knows the danger that's down that road, and he'll say, don't go down that road. But if you're not sensitive, then you go down that road, and there's a pothole or something right there. You got it? Then he says, verse 8, the Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even... So from now on and forever. Y'all got it? So no evil. Tell your neighbor, no evil. You know, some people, some people wouldn't even, wouldn't even uh, react if a roach crawled across their floor. Huh? Talk about it. Talk about something. Y'all know some, some people, you go to some people's house, and if, if roach crawl across the floor, they wouldn't just, oh, child, that's just. Why don't they react? Because they're used to roaches. And inside, they made an allowance 
they made room in their lives for roaches. They, they cohabitate with roaches. But you, I'm going to believe you, I'm talking about you. You, I suppose you, if one roach My wife, I'm, my wife, let me just tell you, my, my wife, one, she sees one roach, I got to spray the whole house. Get up, you got to spray the whole house. Go spray that garage. Go spray everything. Infestation, that's right. If you allow a little bit, it'll take over. All right, now, so too many of God's people are still, they remain in evil cycles because they're unable or unwilling to break bad habits. I've been teaching about bad habits. Unwilling to break bad associations. Oh, boy. And we're going to learn today about bad traditions. There's the three things that'll keep you trapped. It's bad habits, bad associations, and bad traditions. And as I said, they're because they're either unable or unwilling, but the key issue is that they're unwilling. Because I found out that the moment you become willing, God will make you able. Stand up, Sister Hattie. She was just talking to me about when we were in the welcome time, testifying about to me about how she remembered how God delivered her off drugs. How God did it. No 12-step program. No treatment program. How God did it. And she was remarking about what things that were going on inside, the things she had experienced in her life that led her to that, to the drug addiction. And how God went in and got all the way down past the drug habit and dealt with what really caused her to get into the drug habit. And once he dealt with that, boom, she's free in an instant and been free ever since. Give God a praise for that. If that, that was your mama, you'll be praising God. And praise the Lord. See, because once, once you become willing, the grace of God, the ability of God will come on you. And if you want to be free, God will help you be free. I don't care if it's crack. I don't care if it's, it's methadone. I don't care if it's oxycotton. I don't care if it's cigarettes. I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's sex. I don't care if it's gambling. I don't care if it's food. I don't care what it is. If you want to be free, the grace of God will give you the strength you need. Because you can't do it. Watch this on willpower. <laughs> Your will is not powerful enough. Come on, say it. Say, my will is not powerful enough. I need some help. All of my help comes from the Lord. Sit down. He's a helper. 
So when people are stuck, it's because generally they're unwilling. I'm not ready to let that go. I'm not ready to leave that friendship or that association. I'm not ready to let go of that tradition. My tradition means more to me than where I need to go. Now remember I gave you this, this line here, if you change your habits, you'll change your life. If I change my habits, I, I am under sum total of my habits. I had a habit of overeating all the time. Don't look at me, look at your neighbor. I had a habit of overeating. Thank God for his grace and mercy. Thank God for his grace and mercy. I'm doing a lot better now, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Praise God. Praise God. So I'm a sum total of my habits, and if I change my habits, then I'll change my life. Change my habits, I'll change my life. But what we found was most bad habits come from bad associations. Most bad habits come from bad associations. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, where we spent the last uh, couple weeks here, says this. says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So who I associate with plays into what habits I begin to take on. So who I run with means a big deal. It's, it's a lot person is known by the company that they keep. Right? Glory to God. So we've got to make sure we have the right kind of associations. Glory to God. Write this down. Write this down if, if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, you can get it later. Don't make a habit of staying around people who don't charge you, challenge you, or correct you. I'm talking about your associations here. This is just review. Is that all right? Yeah. Don't make a habit of staying around people who don't charge you. The word charge is talking about inspire you. If your friends don't inspire you to become better, that's the wrong group. Show me your circle and I'll show you your future. Show me who you run with and I'll show you your future. If you run with the wrong crowd, you're going to end up in the wrong destination. Evil communication, the Bible says, corrupts good habits. You used to be a good boy. What happened? They used to be such a good little girl. What happened? Got around the wrong company. Say something to me now. Got around the wrong group. That means in and of themselves, there's still some, a, a tinge of good down in there. But you got to dig so deep to get to it now because they've gotten around the wrong people and they've adopted the wrong habits. And they become now a sum total of their habits. So don't make a habit of staying around people who don't charge you. Don't make a habit of staying around people who don't challenge you. People should always challenge you. My circle should always challenge me. If you're the top dog in your circle, you're, the wrong, you're in the wrong circle. You got to get around somebody who challenges you. Wake up. You got to get around somebody who challenges you. They, 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 challenge, they, they challenge how you how you function financially. They challenge uh, how you dress. Girl, you gonna wear that? 
It ain't a real friend if they don't ever ask, hey, bro. <laughs> hey, them shoes don't match, bro. They got a challenge. They got to challenge you. Hey, you gonna be you gonna be late to work again? If all your boys or all your girls don't mind skipping class, you're in the wrong group. You ought to be. You ought to start looking for folk who make better grades than you. Because they're going to challenge you, hey, you know, you're going to say, how you do that? Listen, man, you got to study. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Understand this, please. And I, I know this, this is a review for, for everybody, but it's, it's important. I, I, re, I really could spend uh, the next month or so on association. Because I left off probably 10 scriptures that I didn't even get to. Because you are a Remember this, I told you this. You are a composite of the company you keep. Who you are, how you behave, is a composite of everybody you're around. Your lifestyle is a composite of everybody that you're around. So if you're around the wrong, somebody who always shucking and jiving, then you find you always, you got a shucking and jiving that you, you stop turning off. If you get around folk and all, all they want to do is sit around and watch the stories. What's wrong with the stories? Nothing except, like my dad used to say, they're making their money. You're sitting around, you're not being productive. I ain't, see, I didn't say broke. You said broke. But people, they know, they know they're broken up. So people have to charge you. They have to challenge you, but they also have to be people that can correct you. That means that your real friends, you give a license to correct you and say, man, you know you're wrong for that. Not, not the joke, man, you know you're wrong for that, but you know, I'm talking about, no. Hey, you're wrong, bro. Hey, girl, you're wrong. Hey, you need to fix that. Now, now, if all of a sudden you unfriend them because of that, you weren't a friend to begin with. They were being a friend. You weren't a friend. So you have to start. How many of y'all want to progress and go higher in, in every area of your life? Okay, then you're going to find people and ask God to show you people who are going to charge you challenge you and can erect you and when you don't feel like it, hang around them. Force yourself to just be around people like that. Because your soul doesn't want to be around people like that. Your soul wants to be around people who just... In Proverbs 27 verse 5, the CEV I may not even get to, to traditions today. Let me just tell you. But we will try. Says this in Proverbs 27, verse 5, in the contemporary English version. Says, a truly good friend will openly correct you. A truly good friend will openly correct you. 
It's said in the world that if you find in your, in your whole lifetime one truly good friend, you're blessed. That's how they say it in the world. If you find one truly good friend, one real friend in your whole lifetime, you're blessed. So what we'll find is most people are not friends in the biblical sense. The Bible says a friend loveth at all times. But love sometimes rebukes. I mean, isn't it interesting like how guys, guys who want to sit on the hoods of a car, they find other guys who want to sit on the hood of the car? Just chill, I'm just chilling. What you doing this weekend? Just chilling? Just, what you doing today? It's Wednesday. 12 o'clock at noon. What you doing today? Chilling? If all your friends are just chilling, those are the wrong friends. That's the wrong crowd. Because time keeps on ticking. And, and, and see, you, you, have to, you chill after work. The, 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 the Bible says, the Bible says, a wise, the Bible says this. It says, um, uh, do your work in the field and afterward build your house. Other words, you got to be productive first. And if you are around unproductive people, you're going to become, okay, last scripture, I'm going to move on. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Let me, let's see what the Bible says about how your associations affect you. Let's, let's just put it in spades. I like, I like when the Bible puts things right in spades for us. Proverbs 13, verse 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. Got that principle right there? So whoever you walk with, you'll become what they are. That's why, how many of y'all read Proverbs still? You know Proverbs chapter 1, it's the very first chapter of Proverbs starts out talking about saying, hey, listen, it's my son. When all those boys come talking about let's go and get some spoils, let's go do this, said, don't go with them. Don't run with them. Turn and go the other way now. So because he who walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companion or he who walks with fools will be destroyed. All right? Are we there? All right. So let's move on here. Let's get into tradition here. No, we're going to get into it. But we're still talking about association. This, this is what you call a segue. Hallelujah. Teach some of y'all that segue. In order to break evil cycles, I must be willing to break away from whatever is familiar. In order to break evil cycles, I must be willing to break away from whatever is familiar. There's danger in always tending towards what's familiar because where I am now is a result of what has been familiar. 
So if I don't like where I am now, I'm going to have to change and break away from what's familiar so I can go to what's unfamiliar, or as God tells Abraham in Genesis 12, I want you to turn over there, to a land I will show you. So Genesis 12 and verse 1. Are you there? Yes. Now the Lord had said to Abram, that's Abraham before his name was changed here. He said, get out of your country from your and from your so country, family, and father's house to a land I will show you. Now what is God telling Abram? I need you to leave what's familiar to go to something that's unfamiliar. But it's only in the place where you're unfamiliar that I'm going to uh, make you a great nation. Verse 2, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. But I can't do that as long as you're stuck with what's familiar. Because, uh, Abram, you may think you're a good guy now, but you ain't great yet. Not if God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. You may think you're doing all right, but you're not blessed because I'm going to, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Abram, you might be a good guy around your family. They may think you're the biggest ball in the family. He said, but I'm, he said, you're not anything. He said, I'm going to make your name great. So in other words, what God was telling Abraham, Abram, that he was going to make him, it meant Abraham was not yet. Although Abraham might have been the catch me out on his family. Y'all know what I mean by that? He, he might, might have been the bee's knees for some of y'all uh, 50s and 60s people. He, 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 he might have been the baller of the house. In other words, every family reunion, everybody waited to see what Abraham rolled up in. You know what I'm talking about? There's, you always got somebody like that in the family. So, so I don't know that he was or I don't know that he wasn't. But even if he was in natural terms... In God's eyes, you still ain't nothing. You ain't there yet. Because he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to, I will bless you. I make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So you're not that yet. But in order for me to make you that, I have to get you. This, this is where most, most, folk, most folk choke. I have to get you to pull off from, get away from, Leave everything that's familiar. The root word of familiar is family. So I got to get you, uh-oh, leave your family. Y'all don't like that. Okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, man. Somebody shout family. So I'm mess with y'all now. Now I'm, I'm going to mess with y'all since y'all didn't like it. Now I'm going to really mess with y'all. Verse 1. Get out of your country. From your family, from your father's house. Now, isn't that God doesn't like his family? No. It's nothing to do with it. 
But if you know about Abraham, Abram's family, they were pagan worshipers. They worshipped the moon. They, they, were, they were idolaters. They were stuck in all that sort of thing. And so uh, there's all kind of things that were happening in their lives. And, and uh, God said, I need to get you out of here uh, so I can, I can do something with your life. And, and so he said, first thing he said was, get out of your country. Now, the, now, he drops down from country to family to father's house. That's how you look at it. The country being all the people, your family being all your kin, your kin folk. And then your father's house, that's your immediate. You got it? He drops down. But the bigger picture was, he said, your country, which means I need you to live, uh, I need you to leave the culture. I need you to leave the culture that you're stuck in because you're in a culture that is not conducive to greatness. Oh, man. <laughs> I hope some of y'all are catching this here. You're in a culture and stuck in traditions, stuck in a way of living that is not conducive to you becoming a blessing. You're in a taker culture. Y'all missed that. You're in a taker culture, not in a blesser culture. Remember he said, I'm going to make you a blessing. That meant he was not a blessing. Why was he not a blessing? Because he wasn't in a culture of being a blessing. He was in a culture of being a recipient. Give me, give me, give me. Get me, get mine, get mine. Every, you know, uh, uh, every dog got to go. You know what they say. Dog eat dog world. User culture. Oh, my God. I'm going to mess with all the black folk in the room. Because we have become a culture much like that. That we have not, we are not blessers, we are takers. How can I get mine? What you going to do for me? And when I finally get mine, I'm going to hold on to mine. That's why, I'm going to just talk about it because y'all already don't like it. That's why, that's why the endowments at um, predominantly white schools is in the multiple hundreds of millions and the endowments at predominantly black, you know, HBCUs. Why? Because once the folk get the degree, make the money and arrive, they don't go back and be a blessing. You ain't got to clap. I'm going to clap myself. That's good preaching, Rev. That's good preaching. I know it is. That's why in our community, most often, when somebody's going to come clean up in our community, it's not us. It's some church, it's some group, some, some corporation from the north side, from some other culture, comes in and we're going to help y'all. Why? Because we've become a recipient culture and not a blesser culture. I'm going to cover myself. Whereas we could be and should be a great nation as a people if we're still stuck over here in this old culture and stuck with what's familiar and stuck with what has become our traditions. That's why it seems to be as a, as a people we are regressing rather than progressing. Because something has crept into our culture. 
that for now, several generations, has now become familiar to us. One of the biggest struggles is to now get people, when you come teaching the kingdom of God, teaching faith, teaching prosperity, teaching the things of God, is to get people to break out of that cultural mindset of me, 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 me. That's for sure right on. I know it is. They ain't saying nothing, Thomas, but that's good teaching. So God tells Abraham, in order for me to break you out of your evil cycle, I got, you got to be willing to break away from whatever's familiar, Abraham. Hallelujah. Everybody say family. So he said, leave your country. Leave your family. Leave your father's house. Notice he deals with the people closest to him. He gets all the way down there. Jesus verified this same concept in Mark 10, 29, when he said uh, about the rich man, he told to his disciples, he said, no man who has left a father, a mother, or houses, or land. He goes, no man has left, uh, oh, give it here, a house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands. Now, isn't it interesting? He doesn't mention co-workers and, and neighbors and Because they're way down. Your neighbors and coworkers, they don't carry a lot of weight. Y'all not saying anything on this side, so I better come back over here to y'all. Because they, they got it over here. Y'all not saying anything over this side. Your coworkers and neighbors and no, you know, no, your associates, they, they don't carry a lot of weight. But what your grandma say? I'm going to come back over here because they got it. See, they ain't saying nothing. But what your grandma say? See, my grandma said, used to be gospel. But now, my mama said, my Uncle P. Heffy? Now, it don't matter that he said it when he was half drunk all the time, but my Uncle P. Heffy, he used to always say, my daddy used to always say, real men don't cry. Real men don't cry. Real men don't cry. So then we have men who, in our culture, who grow up, never cry, keep emotions and feelings bottled in, and stroke out at 50 years old. Because they won't cry. Who will never get into a real, a real deep worship. Because real deep worship is going to make you cry. Call oh, y'all ain't sinning. Real deep worship, real time with God, you, you is going to cry. I know that ain't good English. You are going to cry. Am I right, Barry? Barry, Barry, you we, we got it. We feel this, Barry. You're going to cry. <laughs> I love you, Lord. I love you. You don't show any emotion. So a real man, real man, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna, you gonna kiss your son. I'm talking about your family. 
I'm not talking about not talking about what the neighbors said. I'm talking about what your, people in your family said. So sons grow up all hard, never know, callous, not knowing how to express or receive affection. They grow up with what, what I've, I've heard this phrase out there now called toxic masculinity. Just hard. The hard. Till they get locked up the first time. <laughs> now you're crying like a little punk. Like a little punk. You're crying like a little punk. Where my mama like a little punk. Mom, hey, call Get me out of here, mom. Mom. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me. I know it's true. Come out of here, mom. But these, these erroneous homilies. Remember that word? Remember that word? I gave you that phrase, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, evil company corrupts good manners. That word company is a Greek word, homilia, which is where we get the, the English word homily, which means a sermon, a teaching, or someone's commentary. So when you get bad commentary growing up. So men, I don't want to talk about men, but you don't even, you don't even know how to, how, to, how to date a woman properly. You call them hoes. Treat them like that. And if she's just a hoe, you can have three or four and it don't bother you. Oh, that, that, that's my hoe over there and that's my other hoe. I'm just talking about how y'all talk. That's my hoe over there, I got a hoe over there and I got a hoe over there and I got another hoe over there. Because, because your, your big brother said, don't let them hoes get your heart. Is it the truth? Now, I know, I know some of y'all deep religious people, you don't like me saying that. Okay, I'll say whore. I'll say whore. If that's better. The Bible says the whore of Babylon. She was a whore. Whore of Babylon. Okay, a whore. Whatever you want to say, all I'm saying, I'm talking about mentality, culture that comes from those closest to you. I, I, bet, I, bet, I better help the women out too, dude. So, hey, my mama always said, you can't trust no man like that. So always get your little money. Keep your little money tucked away. Always keep your little bit of money. Don't let him know. Got to always have your little stash somewhere where he don't know about that, honey, because he might leave you, baby. So you live your whole life, your whole relationship, on the what if, 
what if, what if, what if he gonna leave me? What if he, I got, it's all right. I can do bad by myself. I got something tucked away. And because of that, you never give yourself fully. And your relationships, your, your marriage never become great. Familiarity is the enemy of greatness. Write that down. Familiarity is the enemy of greatness. Your family tell you, don't, don't trust the man. Don't trust the man. Now, you want to you start and launch your own business, and you got big ideas for a business, and don't, but hey, don't trust the man, though. Sometimes it's going to be the man who helps you. But you've been trained, don't trust the man. But your uncle ain't going to help you. Even if he wanted to, he ain't got nothing. He can't, he know he can't help you. But he gonna tell you don't trust a man. Familiarity is the enemy of greatness. So God tells Abram, I need you to leave your country. I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave your father's house. Now, I am not telling anybody. You got this? You my witness. I'm not telling anybody, go home and break up with your mom and your cousin. I'm not telling you that. Mama, don't call me no more. I ain't telling you that. What I'm telling you is, you have to break up with the culture. Break up with the tradition. Break up with those homilies that have been holding you back. There's so much on the inside of you. There's unlimited potential on the inside of you. Ask neighbor, what's holding you back? What mindset is holding you back? What cultural things are holding you back? What were you told at seven years old? What were you told at 17 that's still holding you back? You've not dealt with that. I know you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, fire baptized with a mighty burning fire, but there's still, there might have been one statement somebody made that's still holding you back. They're still saying it, maybe, if you get around them. That's why you got to start uh, limiting. When the Bible said, come up from among, among them and be separate, says the Lord. First Corinthians 6 and 17, I think it is. Come out from among them, be separate, said the Lord. Be separate means set up a guard. Set some boundaries. Put limits. Good to see you, but you can't speak into my life anymore. Everything you spoke has been trapping me. And I've been delivered. I found out who I am in the word of God. I found out what I can do in the word of God. I found out who I can be in the word of God. I found out where I can go in the word of God. And I found out that no man shall be able to stand before me all the days of my life. So rather than me listen to what you have to say, I'm going to listen to what God's word has to say. I love you. I respect you. I thank God for you. But I can't listen to you no more. Come on, sir. 
So God was trying to get Abraham somewhere. In Isaiah 51, you don't have to turn there. Uh, you may not, we don't have time, I don't think. Isaiah 51, verse 1 through 3, God says, he says, I'm talking to all you who fall off the righteousness, those who seek, seek after God. He says, I want you to consider the rock from which you're hewn, the hole of the pit from which you were dug. He said, look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah who bore you. He says, for I called him, Abraham, alone, and I blessed him, and I increased him. I blessed him and I increased him, but I called him alone. I called him out of his country, out of it from his family, from his father's house. But if you look down at verse 3, he goes on to say, he says, for my desire for Zion is I'm going to make their wilderness like the Garden of Eden. In other words, what God is saying is I'm trying to get you back to luxury, pleasure, and delight. Remember I taught you some time ago what Eden, when you look at the word Eden up, and it means luxury, pleasure, and delight. So God says, I'm trying to get you back there. But to get back there, you might have to break off from what's familiar. Familiarity might not be uh, the people. Uh, it might be the, the, the industry you're in. It might be your line of work. But I've done this for 30 years. <laughs> great. Are you great? No, I'm not great yet. Well, maybe with your lightning fast mind, if God's trying to tell you to go over here, it might be time to move from that particular line. Yeah, but I've been, I've been working around these same people for 30 years. Amen. Look at you with your loyal self. They don't even give God gold watches anymore, do they? Nah, Bashara, I'm not telling anybody to leave their job. Can you make sure they know that, right? That's my witness. Nobody leave your job. All I'm saying is, you have to be willing to follow God, and if he tells you, get out, that's God's first word to Abraham, get out. Go, go, back, go back to Genesis 20, go back to Genesis 12. Go back to Genesis 12. Go to Genesis 12. Well, watch this. You're going, this, is, this is a blessing to me. The very first words Abraham ever heard God say were, get out. What would, what would you, how would you feel you sitting in your house tonight? It's by 11 o'clock. You praying, praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You're good to me. Get out. What? What? first two words Abraham ever heard from God. Shout at your neighbor, get out! Oh, man. Let, let's hurry up here, because I, I, I'll get at least a little ways. Just, let me just at least give you this. Let, let, me, let me at least finish my introduction today. Because Abram, Abram had to leave the habits, associations, and traditions of his country, of his family, and his father's house. He had to now live a countercultural life. In other words, God was going to show him a totally new way of thinking, 
totally new way of feeling, a totally new way of behaving. That's counterculture. Many of us, it's been our family. I'm not picking on your family, understand? Y'all hear me? And I'm, and I'm certainly going beyond your mother or your brother. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, if I'm talking about family, I'm talking about all of them. All of them. Uncle Pete and them and everybody. And if anybody has an Uncle Pete in your family, please forgive me. I'm not picking on your Uncle Pete. I don't know, I don't know who your Uncle Pete is. Y'all calling out names of you. Oh, my goodness. But if, you, if your family culture, listen to me very carefully, if your family culture is a culture of sickness and disease, get out. Get out. Yes. What do you mean a culture of sickness and disease? Everybody, everybody in the family is sick? Well, you don't understand. It's hereditary. Says who? Says who? Hereditary? You have been born again. Blood bought. Blood washed. You have a totally, if you're born again, a totally new DNA. Your word says in Romans chapter 8 verse 2 that the law, I love this scripture here. Oh my God, I pray it about every day. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm not bound by the law of sin and death. Doesn't matter what my daddy had. Doesn't matter what my mama had. Doesn't matter what my brothers have. Doesn't matter what my sister Doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. I have new DNA. I have new DNA. Well, you know, this pass, this pass on from, no, 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 it pass around. Maybe it pass around. How many of y'all believe this here this morning? So if there's a culture of it, get out. I'm not t- talking about don't talk to them, but you've got to now Okay, remember back in 2008 when the depression hit? And we stood here and we said this, we choose not to participate. We choose not to participate in the recession. And guess what happened? We did not participate in the recession. Everything failed, everything, no, no, not really. We're pretty good because we chose, now it's all around us. So this can be the culture of your family. You can still be around or in your family and not deal with what they have to deal with. If there's a culture of poverty and lack, get out. Everybody broke. Everybody got to borrow money from you on the third. I'm talking about a culture. Ain't nobody got nothing. Can I tell you something? This this the test. This the test. If you go out to eat with your whole family, yeah, everybody, your, your big family. Uh, even if it's just six or ten of y'all, and they gotta make sure we split the bill. You in a broke culture. 
I'm going to say it again. Y'all don't like that. If it's six, ten of y'all, and we've got to make sure we split the bill, you're in a broke culture. They got a, you had what? Oh, you had a T? You had a T? Oh, I thought you had a T. Let me see. Oh, people. That ain't on my bill. I ain't paying for your sweet tea. I ain't getting no sweet tea. I can't drink no sweet tea with my diabetes. You know I ain't paying for that sweet tea. I got sugar. Put sweet tea on my bill. <laughs> oh my goodness. culture when every, everybody everybody grabbing grabbing aluminum foil and everybody trying to take everything hey can you bring can you bring some of them extra rolls y'all got some more of them rolls bring some more of them rolls but y'all leaving I know but we just gonna take some of them rolls home you in a broke culture baby they wrapping up the lemons on the table the lemons just lemons on they wrapping up taking the lemons home you in a broke culture Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Lord. Get out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord. So if you're around a sick, y'all come back. Y'all, y'all running all kind of scenarios in y'all mind. Y'all like, oh, remember what Auntie them did? Remember that child? I was so embarrassed. Oh my God. You know you're in a broke culture. Y'all gonna go to go to corral and you're gonna try to get to go. To go. You know it's not for the go, it's a buffet. It's a buffet. You can't be getting. Hey, y'all, y'all remember. Y'all remember, how many of y'all, uh, I asked for a show of hands, but y'all may not admit it. You may not admit it. Just, if, you, if, you, if this is true, just do like, just like that. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You like, you like Kentucky Fried Chicken? All right, okay. You know, if you go to, go to Park and, and uh, 66th Street, there's a buffet. You know there used to be one right up here? There used to be one on this side of town. You know why they shut the one down on this side of town? Tamra people was going in there. Taking the people chicken. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. I was in there one day. One day I was in there because I, I like the chicken. I like the chicken. I had a habit of overeating chicken. And uh, I was in there one day and I saw this couple, man. They were at the, at the buffet and the lady had a big old purse open and she just. I'm like, good God Almighty. So get out. 
Somebody tell your neighbor, get out one more time. All right, I got, I got, got, I got one last one, one last one. If, if, if your family is always fussing and cussing, they have a culture of drama. Get out. You mean every time we get together, there's going to be some mess? Every time. You look over. There go Auntie May coming. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Here she comes. And you know, you, you sense it. You sense it like a little rumbling. It's about to get crunk. It's, oh, I feel it. Hey, what time to go? You're like, hello? Oh, who is this? Your phone ain't even ring. You just, hello? Oh, yeah. Hey, I'll catch y'all next time. I, I gotta go. Because you sense it, right? Now, if you, if you stay around it, the Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Is that right? That word air in the Greek is the, is the Greek word amy, A-E-M-I, which means atmosphere, which means whatever atmosphere you get in, you begin to soak it up. That is just, just like cigarette smoke. If you walk into a room of cigarette smokers, you walk out, even though you don't smoke cigarettes, you smell like a stack. So if you get around and hang around folk who are always bringing the drama, and you stay around it, you go back home. Not a dog looking at you funny, God, like, why you kick me? Dog came, greet you, and kiss you in the mouth like he always do, and now you mad because of the Uh-uh. Come on now, how, how many of y'all know you have some uh, family drama? It's, it's drama in your family, it's a culture. Some of y'all will raise your hand because your family sit next to you. I don't mean, diff, diff, I'm not talking about your brother, sister, cut, right? I'm talking about, you know, when you all get together. What a time, what a time, what a time. You almost hate when you get that birthday. It's somebody's birthday. We all going to get together for so-and-so birthday. We going, well, we meeting at BJ's. I know we got to split the bill. And everybody going to come in with an oxygen tank. And then it's going to be drama. All right, let me, let me finish right here. Because if I keep going, man, we'll be here to 3 o'clock. God was telling Abraham, I need you to leave the familiarity of those habits, the familiarity of those associations, the familiarity of the traditions. Because when you're in your father's house, in your family, in a country, you become part of a culture. And every culture perpetuates traditions. Every culture perpetuates traditions. Every family perpetuates traditions. Remember my wife and I, we got married. I think it was maybe our, probably our first Christmas. And um, 
in my family, my family, we, we come midnight, you know, New Year's Eve midnight, we're going to open all our gifts because it's Christmas. We weren't waiting on Santa Claus to come down no chimney. I live in a black neighborhood, shouldn't have been no guy coming down my chimney like that. So we, if a guy come down your chimney in my neighborhood, he coming to get something. He ain't leaving nothing. He might be bringing a bag, but he, it's a pick up bag. Oh, Jesus. So in my family, we at night, at midnight, we open all of our gifts and we stayed up all night playing with our gifts, playing with our toys and stuff. Well, in my wife's family, they went to bed and then they wake up after Santa Claus left in the morning. Well, as a kid, I learned right away, ain't no Santa Claus, bro. My dad ain't no Santa Claus. We done worked all year, provide for y'all, and ain't no Santa Claus. Now, it wasn't good or bad, and mine wasn't good or bad. They were just different. So our first Christmas, there was a little... Why? Because she's saying everybody go to bed. I was saying go to bed? It's Christmas. What are you talking about? So we, had, we finally had to, you know, we've, we've done a little conforming over the years. Nine, 19 years now of conforming, you know, and it, it all works out now. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's how you, do, you open gifts in... in throughout the day and all that kind of stuff. Praise the Lord. Everybody say traditions. Let me, let, me, let me give you this definition of tradition and we'll get ready to quit here. Because I want you between now and Wednesday to take time to assess your life. This is your homework. Find out what habits you need to break. Find out what associations you need to break. Then I want you to begin evaluating what traditions you need to break. Okay? Because I want my life better than where it is now. I mean, thank God for my life where it is now, but it ain't, I'm, not, I'm not anywhere near Neither are you. Neither are you. Don't look at me. You, neither are you. You ain't where God wants you to be yet. Closer every day. So the tradition. Here's what tradition is. See, it's an inherited, 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 that's from your family, established or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. A longest, you know, y'all know y'all can't write all this before they take it off the screen, so just, you'll, you'll get it when you watch this afternoon. A long-established custom or belief that has passed on from one generation to another. Those are two big ones right there. 
an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. A pattern of thought. So their, their tradition is you, you think a certain way because that's the way you were taught to think. You think a certain way. Why do you think that way? Let me, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. How many of y'all uh, were born here in St. Petersburg? Yes, sir. Good for you. Good for you. Native of St. Petersburg. Okay. Now, uh, St. Pete's grown has changed a whole lot. But if, for me, if, if my wife said, hey, John, let, let's, let's run to the mall real quick. My mind says, real quick, I live by the Skyway. Ain't no real quick to the mall. Right? That's my way of thinking. But if I moved to Dallas or Atlanta for a year, if I stayed there for a year, and everywhere I go takes 30 minutes to an hour. Then I come back to St. Petersburg. And he said, let's, let's go tomorrow real quick. All right, let's do it. Because in my mind, in my mind, my thinking now is that's real quick. You got it? So your way of thinking may be different from somebody else's way of thinking based on your experience, what you've been taught, what you've been trained in. Got it? This is important. I'm going to let you go home here. So an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior, a long-established custom or belief that has been passed on from one generation to another, that's what happened with Abraham, in theology, this is a big one here, in theology, a doctrine believed to have divine authority, though not in the scriptures. We'll get, we'll get on all that Wednesday. Because a lot of that is holding folk up in the church. Things that have been taught as doctrine that are not based on the word of God and they've kept God's people sick, broke, struggling, climbing up the rough side of the mountain. I remember I I went to a, uh, it was a funeral or something I went to at the church I grew up in. This has been last year, year before last. And um, the pastor asked me, hey, John, John, hey, would you sing uh, Rough Side of the Mountain for us? Nope. <laughs> you, you forgot how it goes? I know exactly how it goes. <laughs> now, when I was younger, oh, yeah. I would have sung it all. I'm coming up. Dum, 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 on the rough side. Uh, I mean, I would have laid it out. <laughs> this old race will soon be over. I mean, you know, I, I, I would have done it. But once I got in the scripture and learned some things, like, wait a minute, that's not, the Bible never told us to come up no rough side of no mountain. The Bible said you speak to the mountain and the mountain will be moved. So, sorry, no disrespect, no dishonor, but I can't sing that. I speak to the mountain. Now, I could have changed a song. I speak to mountains. And they move out of my way. 
So let's read this, this last scripture here and, and, we'll, we'll, and we'll stand and we'll be dismissed. We'll get ready to be, be dismissed. Where's this coming from? Back in 1 Peter, where we started. And we'll pick this up Wednesday night. I admonish you to come Wednesday night. Wednesday night we'll be back here. We're not doing an online Bible study. We'll be here in the building. You can hear this. The Bible says in 1 Peter, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct. Aimless conduct. To be aimless, listen to this, means without purpose or direction. Without purpose or direction, even worse, circular or cyclical. Aimless is without purpose or direction, even worse, circular or cyclical, cycle. So aimless conduct is keeping people in cycles of evil. Why does always happen to me? Why we always got to go through this? Cycles of evil. Why? Aimless conduct. Now, where does... Peter, by the Holy Ghost, identify this aimless conduct coming from. He says you received it by tradition from your co-workers. He doesn't necessarily mean your biological father. He's talking about the elders, those who are over you. So my assignment through this message and Wednesday is to kick over, turn over sacred cows. Sacred cows are those things that people hold dear. How many of y'all like uh, burgers, steaks? Y'all do? Y'all like them? Y'all really like them? There is no Burger King in India. There's no steakhouse in India. Why? Because in India, cows are sacred. Hinduism, they worship cows. So you couldn't go get you a filet mignon in India. They kill you dead for messing with their sacred cow. They drop kick you for messing with their sacred cow. There are people around you, if you mess with their sacred cows right here in the States, in your family, they will come against you persecute you because you're bothering with their sacred cows. You're bothering with their tradition. But tradition, I'm going to show you here, makes the word of God of no effect. Tradition keeps the word of God from producing what he sent it to produce in your life. But that's not going to be us. We're going on with Jesus. Going to get everything he has for us. Amen. Amen. Y'all receive that today? Stand on your feet. Give God a big praise for the word of God today. If you receive it, 
Let him know you receive it. Let him know you're glad to have the word of God in your heart. In your heart, in your heart. Give God praise and glory. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you for the word, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your challenge. Thank you for your charge. Thank you for your correction, God. Thank you for the revelation. Thank you that the eyes of our understanding are being enlightened, oh God. Thank you for opening our eyes to hear and see wondrous things from your law. Thank you, Father, for the revelation today from Psalm 121 that you preserve us from all evil. That we should not be expecting or making room for evil, trouble to be happening in our lives. And we know, God, there's trouble all around us. In fact, Jesus himself said, in the world we shall have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer because you've already overcome the world. So thank you that God will not, not be visited by actual evil. Things will happen all around us. We're sure of it. We understand that. But God, they don't have the effect on us like they're going to have on other people. Your word says, only with our eyes do we behold and see the reward of the wicked. So, dear Lord, I pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, that you do the convincing in every heart today. I know I can't do it. You said in your word, let every man be persuaded in his own mind. So I pray that, Father, that you would help by the Holy Ghost to persuade every person in this room to believe your word as it is. As it is. Not by the, the tainting of religious tradition. Not by uh, people with theological degrees messing the word up. No. Your word as it says it. Thank you, Father, that as we turn over every sacred cow in our past, in our history, in our lives, we'll begin to move into that place where you told Abraham, making him, making his name great, blessing him, causing him to be a blessing, that for us we'll become like Eden, the garden of the Lord, living in luxury, pleasure, and delight, making room for others to come in and enjoy this wonderful life that you've given us, your people, to enjoy. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ from aimless conduct that came by tradition from our fathers. We leave familiarity, move into the unfamiliar place that allows you to bring greatness in our lives. We yield to it. We're thankful. We believe we receive it all. This day we give you glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Put those hands together and give God one final hand of praise today.